Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering. One bank teller instead of the usual five. Slow, fast food lines. Simply not enough staff. Grandma's Office Catering avoided the mass exodus with the respect, appreciation, better wages, and now health insurance. That's how Grandma continues to wow. Grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. Today is Thursday, March 17th. Coming up, we won't be seeing the University of Missouri at the women's NCAA basketball tournament this year, but two Kansas teams did make it. We'll take a look at their prospects for March Madness. Plus, what the Kansas City Council has been up to lately. But first, some headlines. New records show Olathe East High School officials had gotten tips from students on March 4th, hours before a shooting took place at the high school. Steve Vakra reports. Newly released records that describe the shooting at Olathe East say Principal Caleb Stoppel brought a student to an office at the high school to search his backpack. The student, 18-year-old Jalon Elmore, allegedly refused. The assistant principal texted Eric Clark, a school resource officer, to come to the office immediately. When the officer arrived, Elmore allegedly drew a gun and shot toward Clark about five times. Clark returned fire on Elmore, and all three were wounded and taken to the hospital. Clark and Stoppel were released from the hospital later that day. Elmore, an Olathe East senior who now faces a charge of attempted capital murder, remains hospitalized in critical condition. Kansas City Public Schools are considering changing what time the school day starts. KCUR's Jody Fortino reports the district is asking for feedback from students and parents. Schools across the district currently start at three different times, 7.20 a.m., 8.20 a.m., and 9.15 a.m. The proposed plan reduces that to two start times. High schools, middle schools, and some elementary schools would be in class from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. Most elementary schools would start at 9.15 a.m. and end at 4.15 p.m. The district said the proposal was sparked by feedback it got from families during its long-term strategic plan process, Blueprint 2030. Kansas City, Kansas Public Schools also considered changing its start times to make bus rides available to more students, but it shelved that plan for now. The City Council of Kansas City, Missouri, as usual, has a full plate right now. It's trying to figure out a $2 billion budget, funding for its police department, and affordable housing for its residents. I sat down with KCUR's government reporter, Salisa Kalakal, to ask her what's been going on lately. So the City Council recently released its $2 billion budget for next year. Uh, I want to know, did you really read all of it? I did. No, I really went through a lot of that document. You know, the first half is a very general overview of, you know, how the different funds are allocated. So generally, you know, each department, you get to see how much money they're getting. But then when you get deeper into the budget, you know, you get to see how each department actually uses that money. And you get to see um, how many full-time employees they budget out for, which I think is pretty interesting, especially with like smaller departments that deal with, you know, really basic services like trash pickup or, you know, demolishing, you know, dangerous buildings and whatnot, you know, how much money they spend on staffing, um, how much money they get from the general fund, how much money they get from special revenues and all that. So what stood out to you about the budget? Probably the biggest thing that stood out to me was actually getting to understand how our revenue is actually split up. Um, so basically we have governmental activities, that's like one big chunk. And under that is our general fund. So general fund means like a lot of the taxes that we pay go into that. And that's how most of our city departments are funded. And then you have more restrictive funds, like they're called special revenues. And those are if we pay a special tax, like there's the fire tax uh, that goes to the fire department. Uh, I believe 
believe the Parks Department has a special tax for them as well. And those go to very specific things that cannot be, you know, rerouted or redirected towards uh, other services. So that $1.9 billion you know, budget, a lot of it is already directed towards specific things and they can't be moved. The most important part of the budget, I would say, is that general fund, which is about uh, like 530 million. So that's really what funds all of our basic services, you know, trash pickup, street cleaning. Um, our police department gets, you know, the biggest chunk of that, followed by, I believe, the fire department. And then all of the other agencies, like the health department, housing, neighborhoods, they get kind of smaller chunks of that. It's really that like general fund revenue that you know, citizens can really have say over because those are the funds that will go towards the city services we interact with on a daily basis. So what on the budget is the city council debating right now? Sure. One major thing they're debating is actually the police department budget. So the police department definitely has the largest budget out of uh, any city department uh, funded through our general fund revenue. They have a proposed budget of $269 million for the upcoming fiscal year. That's more than uh, they got last year. Uh, and basically what the council is debating over right now is a specific ordinance that would establish a $33 million dollar fund for the KCPD dedicated to community policing and prevention. And the reason why they have this ordinance and maybe what makes it different from other budget years is that under state law, the city has to give 20% of its general fund revenues every year to the police department. And this year, that's about 230 or so million dollars. And so that 33 million is kind of over that uh, statutory requirement. And the city council is trying to determine how they want the KCPD to use that money. Some of the concerns that council members brought up are, you know, if we say yes to this fund and they get this money, because the city council really doesn't have actual local control of the department, once we sign off on their budget, there's not much more they can really do. And so a big concern is, you know, if we tell them, you know, we want, you know, $33 million to go to you guys and we want some of this money to for, you know, community engagement, how can the council actually make sure that the department does, you know, what the ordinance wants them to do? If the ordinance doesn't end up passing, it's likely that that $33 million over the statutory requirement would be removed. And so that would mean that the department would get about 230 or so million dollars, which does still fulfill Missouri's state requirement. And then that's less than the $269 million that they're proposed to receive right now. So the city council has also been looking at some big development projects lately. What is the status of those? Sure. So there was one development actually on um, May and armor in Midtown. It was a Mac Properties development. And uh, basically, the council uh, back in January was thinking about approving a, a $10.5 million tax incentive package for them. Um, a lot of residents actually and members of Casey tenants in Kansas City, they told the council that they didn't want Mac Properties to receive this incentive package. And, and Casey tenants is the, the activist group. Yes. Right? Yeah. Citywide Tenant Union. Um, and they were organizing against this ordinance and they didn't want 
want the council to give Mac Properties this money. And actually what ended up happening that surprised even me is the council ended up killing that incentive package and they're deciding to redirect um, that $10.5 million into uh, the city's housing trust fund. Their argument was, you know, we'd rather see this kind of money or this level of funding go towards a fund that actually supports affordable housing versus, uh, you know, a development project that would have only included just a few affordable units for folks. And housing has been a really big issue for the city council, right? What what other housing issues have they been looking at? Sure. So one thing that they're debating right now actually is uh, allocating some money to help uh, the homesteading authority um, actually renovate some of their homes that are a little bit blighted right now and need renovations. And they're considering, uh, you know, allocating a couple hundred thousand dollars from the housing trust fund to renovate those homes and then make them available for folks who are experiencing homelessness right now. Um, Another thing that they are looking into is allocating some money from the housing trust fund to parade park homes. And it's actually a black owned uh, housing co-op in Kansas City. And the residents there, you know, they want more money to just like do some basic maintenance of their homes, you know, make sure that their homes are still healthy and stable. So they're asking the council to allocate um, about $2 million to help with those renovations. Um, And then another thing that they have actually approved in the past month is a development in 18th and Vine that they've been working on for a couple of years now. And this will essentially restore a couple historically uh, blighted buildings in the 18th and Vine district. And then it, uh, the development proposes to turn it into mixed use. So some apartments and then also some uh, commercial businesses. So the city recently announced plans to turn all of its streetlights into LED lights. How is that going? So they approved that project. Uh, back in January, essentially turning about 83,000 of the city's uh, streetlights into LEDs. And this is actually going to be the first uh, really system-wide upgrade of our streetlights since, I believe, the 90s. So uh, we're very much what city council members said and people who support this is we're very much due or overdue on replacing our streetlights. And actually, the city approved using a lower-level temperature streetlights, which a lot of environmentalists say is better for residents, better for driving at night, and better for wildlife as well. That was KCUR's government reporter, Salisa Kalakal. The first round of the NCAA Women's Basketball Tournament starts tomorrow and Saturday. The University of Missouri barely missed out on making it, but the University of Kansas and Kansas State University are in. Greg Eklund reports the season might mark a turning point for women's basketball around Kansas City. Just a couple hours before the Kansas City Chiefs classic football game against the Buffalo Bills on January 23rd, a monumental sports achievement had already taken place in Manhattan, Kansas. K-State junior Ayoka Lee set an NCAA Division I women's basketball record for the most points scored in a game. Lee scored 61 points in K-State's 94-65 win over 14th ranked Oklahoma. Her reaction afterward? It's crazy. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, coming into this game, it wasn't like, I don't think anyone thinks that, like, oh, yeah, we're just going to set a record today. That day, most sports fans' attention was on that overtime win by the Chiefs. Lee recognized that, 
along with the 4,000-plus fans who attended the basketball game. Yeah, I think it was a great crowd, like, especially for a Sunday game, um, and, like, Chiefs are in the playoffs. But soon, it was Lee lighting up electronic billboards around Kansas City, promoting the Big 12 Women's Basketball Tournament in Kansas City this month. It's not every day you look on social media and your head is on a billboard. <laughs> <laughs> Lee is from the southern Minnesota town of Byron, close to Rochester. K-State coach Jeff Mitty says he's noticed a trend. There's been a lot of talent across uh, the Midwest, and, and uh, I think it says a lot about the high school coaches. I think it says a lot about the AAU programs that these players are playing with because um, we're reaping the benefits of, of those players. In the NCAA tournament, K-State's first-round opponent is Washington State. The Kansas Jayhawks are in the tournament for the first time since 2013. They'll open against Georgia Tech. If both Kansas schools win, each faces the possibility of being matched against a number one seeded team in the second round. It looked like Missouri might also make the 68-team tournament. Back in December, the Tigers shocked everyone with only eight players suited up because of COVID and upset top-ranked South Carolina. It was the first time in women's basketball history the Tigers beat a number one ranked team. Tigers coach Robin Pinchton said after the game. We're on a mission, and our mission this year was it was never about beating South Carolina. It's about being in that NCAA tournament in March. But six losses in their last eight games cost the Tigers their chances. Nonetheless, Mizzou's Haley Frank, who went to high school in Strafford, Missouri, just outside Springfield, says the feeling of beating a top-ranked team was the reason she stayed in her home state. When I came on visits against, you know, top 10 wins against South Carolina, Tennessee, like those were the environments that just made me want to be a Mizzou Tiger. On the high school level, St. Pius X, Coach Krista Daniels knows what it's like to coach against Haley Frank. In 2016, the St. Pius Warriors had state aspirations, but had to play Stratford in the semifinal game, and I, they went on to win state four years in a row. This season, the St. Pius Warriors finished 25 and 5, and these up-and-coming high school stars are paying close attention to their former foes who have moved on to college. They think that's that's kind of cool, you know, obviously to see them. We and we, you know, everybody's on Twitter now, so they follow, and even if they don't watch, they at least follow them and, and know their stats just by being on Twitter. No matter what happens in the postseason, the most encouraging sign for KUK State and Missouri is that their best players are underclassmen. That means they'll be back next season, and perhaps all three teams will be in the NCAA tournament the same year. It's never happened. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Greg Eklund. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. This podcast is produced by Byron Love and KCUR Studios and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read our coverage of the Kansas City Council and local sports, visit kcur.org, where you can find more news stories from Kansas City's NPR station. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow.